Welcome to Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, January 31st of 2023, where two laypersons, a pastor, and an academician gather for about 45 minutes each week to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday. And the Sunday that we're focused on is February 12th of 2023. Each Tuesday, we call in from wherever we may be to participate. And today, it's 6.30 a.m., and for our friend Charles Willard in Minnesota, that's 5.30 a.m., our team's working to be faithful to year A, and that puts us in the Gospel of Matthew and during the coming weeks of Epiphany, using the letters identified in the lectionary to create understanding of this Gospel text. We hope the discussion will provide areas of focus. Here's how it works. We develop perspectives independently after the lead-off person shares some formative questions, and then in this virtual discussion room, we share, encourage, and sometimes challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's discussion. Ah, Charles Willard. <laughs> Bill Hall in St. Petersburg, Florida. Sarah Mickelson in Tampa. And I'm Don Upton, and I'm uh, calling in from Columbus, Ohio today. Good to see everybody. Good to have you with us. And our lead today is Sarah Mickelson. She's going to help us uh, focus on the scripture and offer some guiding questions. Hello, my friend. How you doing? Well, thank you, and I'm glad to be here. Um, we're looking at 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, as the um, letter, and we're reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37, as our gospel. So I'm going to read the Corinthians passage, and my friend Bill is going to read the um, Matthew passage. Oof. Doesn't bode well when you can't talk already. So, starting with chapter 3, verse 1. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another says, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, and but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. Uh, the scripture continues from Matthew 5, 21 to 37, to remind us that the what we call the Sermon on the Mount is a work in progress. We continue to listen to this portion of Scripture. I read from the New Revised Standard Version. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. 
And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister. Then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The word of God, thanks be to God. Hard text, huh? Yes. <laughs> so I'm, in thinking about these passages this week, um, I tried to come up with, something that wove the two passages together. And it was apparent to me that we're talking about how to how to stand in relationship with other people um, in both of these texts. So I wanted to think about um, question number one, what essential truths about human interaction and Christ following do you gather from these passages? Don, what do you think? Thanks for a question that puts both human act interaction and Christ following together. You didn't, you, you, the and, so I'm going to focus on the and. And this is this is tough. The Matthew reading, especially tough. Well, I I just need to say there are folks that listen to this may be encountering this for the first time or struggling with it for the hundredth time. And uh, I just 
you know, we all have our opinions here, and I'm just drawn to say I do not believe this is a gospel of mutilation. I think this is a gospel of re- reconciliation, and that this is harsh language for the harsh things we do in our minds that separate us from each other. And so that harsh language is there, but I just, I don't, this is not a gospel of mutilation in any way. It's about reconciliation. So I, I so this first question, human interaction and Christ following, it, at first, both passages would make it look like they don't fit together at all. You read Paul, you know, right, get all this out of the way, but I don't think at this point. So I just made a quick list of practical promises that I think are embedded in both these passages. One is we're capable of listening as we are. If, if we think about where we are, it's possible. We're not stuck. We can do it. We can reconcile. We can clear our heads. We can clear our minds. We can see each other. One. The second, growth is possible. And jealousy and quarreling, which is pointed out in the Corinthians passage, are not abstract characteristics. There's nothing abstract in any of this. <laughs> I know all this stuff. I know what this is all about. And there's not, nobody's going, what are you talking about, Paul? And we know what Paul's talking about. We know what quarreling looks like. We know what jealousy looks like. We know what all this is. And so that's very practical. Uh, and belonging, wanting to belong, is a very strong draw. So there you go. There you go. Those are all practical things, and I understand every one of those. Uh, and so if you go over to the gospel side, and this is a really unique pairing, I think, of scriptures. Uh, it takes a lot of work. Uh, I encourage everybody, they're not that long. Read them both together a few times. But uh, from the Matthew side, reconciliation is real. Uh, and coming to terms is possible. Ta-da! Possible. Not easy. Not comfortable. Maybe still ugly after it's done, but for all of this, for me, the keystone of, Sarah, your question, human interaction and Christ following is this comparison to the loss of liberty and imprisonment. And I'm just applying imprisonment to the entire list I just gave. All of those things, all those blockers, uh, that none of that is normal thinking. None of that helps us connect with each other. And whether it's imprisonment in terms of us focusing on quarreling, as an example, or actual imprisonment. I don't think he means actual imprisonment in this case. It's, you know, you're going to get stuck. But if you if you lose your liberty for one day, I think the first thing you think is, what would I have done with that day? And I'll apply that to not listening, not growing, quarreling, jealousy. What would I have done with that day had I not been engaged in those those actions? So I tried to make that. That's my simple list, uh, Sarah. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Um, my litany is is interestingly parallel to that. Um, that I've observed that the development of faith is a process, not an event. So that being said, incremental steps forward are not always done in concert with other people, but are done in concert with God. So it oftentimes puts us out of step with people around us. Um, That's neither good nor bad. It's just an observation. Um, Human insecurity is fertile ground for the pursuit of status, comparison, arrogance, and judgment. 
Humans find comfort in the routine and the predictable. Humans resist change and cling to old rather than reaching for new. Humans are easily distracted by everything. <laughs> Ooh, shiny. Um, humans seem to hide insecurity by claiming success over that which they have no claim. Humans strive to differentiate ourselves from others and look for points of division. I mean, they literally look for things to divide ourselves with. Um, humans seek and explore shades of rule bending and breaking, relishing the deviations, the exceptions, and the workarounds. Matter of fact, we, we admire people who have figured out a way to game the system. And I go, really? So I, those things all are, are what I find to be troubling, but acknowledge that they're common. And Christ following asks us to do something different. Christ following asks us to lay those things down and to put the good of, of the community oftentimes. It's going to sound kind of probably not, cap, not, not very um, American, but it, it may ask for us to consider those around us with higher regard than our own selves. Um, it might ask us to say something that's hard to hear to someone else, which we often don't want to do. And it may ask of us to... Um, to be quiet when we when we want to scream or we want to yell, um, so it may ask us to to be to wait instead of act. It may ask us to act instead of wait. So um, I think that there's something to be gained by working in community with others who can step into those voids where our development has been stalled or. Um, we have gaps in our understanding. And that's that's important. It's valuable. I think it's it, it leads to the next question. What do you think, Bill? Uh Sarah. Um I will echo Don. Uh in that when I first started reading these before I got your questions, I thought what 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 bridge is there? Before I got your questions, I began to see that they very much complement each other. Um, now, for the sake of our listeners and viewers, as a team of four, uh, having worked together for years, we we josh with each other. So I take some kidding about my fondness for mulling and both and <laughs> and Sarah. These passages and your questions set me free to do both of those. <laughs> Human interaction in Christ following, I will say more about this in your subsequent questions. The both and here is ways in which human interaction do not reflect the will of God and the possibility that the Spirit of Christ can influence our human interaction. I think that's the whole point of both of these passages is brothers and sisters realize that they're in a sense separate and you can act out of accord 
with the spirit of Christ, or you can choose <clears throat> some degree of concurrence. So thank you for this. Um, I think this human interaction Christ following is a contrast which reflects Paul's strategy in the first Corinthians passage and Jesus's style in the Matthew passage. For example, both passages remind us that we are individuals and we live in community, that we're capable of maturity and immaturity. We can be divided or united. And to me, both passages are an example, a powerful example of the biblical admonition to speak the truth in love. If we truly love each other, we will speak the truth to each other, but we will do it in a way to build one up. And that, I think that's the whole spirit of Paul and Christ. Yes, they are confronting. You're right, uh, Don, there's harsh language here. <laughs> but the purpose is to help people uh, grow and the Deuteronomy passage for this week, chapter 30, <clears throat> says that in verse 19, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. The context is this is prior to their going into the promised land, <clears throat> and the people are reminded they have a choice to love God, follow God's commands, or follow false God. And in the psalm for this week, 119, uh, that that reminder is there, there. Therefore, not only these two passages, but all four lectionary passages for this week remind us as God's people that we have choices. Thanks for the question, Sarah. Charles, would you like to add anything? Just a brief observation and a comment. I think if I were if I were reading the Matthew passage, I would think, well, This is going to be a pretty limited conversation, and there's like there's nothing that I can do. And I'm Corinthians. I think I think I guess my my sense was that is that the 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 Christians in Corinth are going to be. are going to be struggling with trying to figure out, well, all right, so now what? Where do we go? Where do we begin? What do, what do we actually say? And I, it, it, would be, it would be a frustrating letter to get. Thank you. Um, question number two. What is the introspective hard work or what introspective hard work do these passages suggest that Christ followers undertake to help build and, and prepare to live in community with each other? And, and, and I'm kind of thinking about those things that we have to do internally to be better neighbors or community members to each other. Um, so that's what led me to this question. Um, since Paul is refining how the Corinthians interact with each other, and Jesus is refining our understanding of the um, 
the commandments that were given after exiting um, Egypt. So what introspective hard work do these passages suggest? Bill, you want to kick us off? Thank you for this question, Sarah. I like the, your use of the word introspective. Uh, I, I earlier mentioned um, that there's an individual relationship with God and, and communal. And I have a limited fondness for alliteration, <laughs> uh, but I gave in to the temptation this week. As, as I mentioned before, I begin, before I go to commentary, reading the passages and asking myself, what do I glean? And I find it very helpful to listen to others. And that's expanded by our getting together. So I came up with this list of what it means. It means to look, to listen, to learn, and to lead. Let me say more about the last one. I think each of us, in some way, is a leader. Uh, Paul, in the First Corinthians passage, verse six, reminds the people. You know, he's talking about, "Am I the party of Paul or Apollos?" and so forth. He said, "God is the one who assigned us our roles." I believe God has created each of us as God wants us to be, and put us in particular. Uh, opportunities for leadership. Uh, I think those lead who set an example of quiet reflection. Doesn't mean you have to be up in front of the group that I think we all are called to be leaders. And probably all four of you and our listeners and viewers know that in Greek, the word for the first person singular, I, is ego, ego, from which we get our term ego. And I think that's at the heart of this. Paul is and Jesus are challenging the posturing and power-seeking that sadly at times characterizes not only the business and political world, but also the church. And Paul reminds us, God gives the growth. God gives the increase. So to me, Sarah, the introspective is focused on examining what God do I have. Paul Tillich says your God is whatever is your ultimate concern. And for some, it's theological dominance. My theology is better. I think we're past this, but sadly, we went through a time of what was called worship wars when the contemporary worship was evolving and I was personally caught in the middle of some of that, of the traditional people saying this is the way we should do it, and contemporary worship people saying, no, that's old wineskins, we need new wineskins. Um, there, there is always that uh, temptation. And, um, and we've painfully observed in recent years that all kind of things are done in the name of Jesus. Some of those seeking several years ago to overthrow our democracy carried signs identifying themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. When God noted for Elijah that there were still 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal, 
we understand that meant that the 7,000 was a small minority compared to many times more who were, in fact, worshiping false gods. And I also, and I'll end with this, I like your phrase, hard work. This is hard work, Sarah. And thank you for reminding us that it's hard. Charles, what are your thoughts? I'm empty. (laughs) Don, do you have any thoughts you'd like to share? Thank you, Bill, for the letter L. And here's a reminder that alliteration alleviates anxiety. So I uh, like the word in perspective, too, and kind of staying on the practical path of what we're pulling from these. uh, I like being asked to be introspective and self-critical in the abstract. There's none of that here. Give me some abstractions. Give me some generalities. But uh, not here, not with Paul, not with Jesus. And I think there's a point there, which is if we're going to get there, we have to confront real obstacles, real distractions, real, real jealousies. Real, it, there's, there's no soft here. It's like either you either address it or not. And, you know, Paul's like, I've got a list of things. And, by the way, they're all applied to your church. <laughs> here it all is. Uh, and it's it's painful to read, and I just wanted to put myself in there going, I prefer something general. How about how about just some, you know, good thinking, support, and coaching, please? But no, that's not the way it works. And I, th- I think the message here is that you can't, we can't get ready unless we actually confront the actual the facts of the situation. So I, I put both together, and you know, in practical thinking, uh, I think both passages are saying, why am I doing this? And if I can't think of what I'm doing, then here's a reminder, Paul's letter, or the words of Jesus. Why am I doing this? To whom am I listening? To whom am I pinning my actions upon? Uh, those are all things that I don't want to think about. Hey, I'm busy. So how do I get that into my head? Paul's like, I'm going to write you a letter. You can't get away from my letter. Uh, but how do I how do I set the time aside to to ask why am I doing this, to whom am I listening, and to whom am I pinning my actions upon. Uh, And if I do that, I think there's a promise in here that I could actually think about what would I be doing otherwise. There's a call. It's actually, it's not not legalistic. I like saying Paul legalistic legalistic and prudish, but it's actually to liberate my imagination. I should say, thank you. What should I be doing? Or... I say, what could I be doing? Maybe the what should is from the words of Jesus. I've got the what could I be doing, Paul, and then this is Jesus going, what you should be doing. Otherwise, you're in prison. Otherwise, you've lost your liberty of imagination. And that's why I like going back to the imprisonment reference that we have uh, in, in the passages today. So is Paul a prude or an advocate for reflection and clear thinking? I mean, it's fun to call Paul a prude and to say how tough he is to, to, to read or listen to, but he's an advocate for reflection and clear thinking. And it is so practical. Now I'm hearing the words of friends and teachers and supervisors and you know, just people we run into every day. And I bet it will happen to you today, listeners. 
I bet it will. Somebody's going to say to you, and think about the spirit working here. Somebody's going to say to you, well, who are you? You're not who I thought you were. What do you think you're doing? Or is it all uh, my first boss and mentor would walk in a room filled with people and he would just go, what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, it was like a shock. You know, the boss walks in, what's going on? But what a wonderful tool. I think, I think this happens all around us. We do it for each other. Who are you? Why do you do this? Or you, we might be a little tougher with each other. I'm kind of disappointed in you. I've heard those words. Why? And I think that's the open door to introspection that you're talking about. So I just tried to find rules of the road, and it turns out for me, they're all over the place. Thanks, sir. So I feel like it invites us to explore um, God's greatness in place of our own. Um, To ask of the self a long litany of questions, another L word. You know, Bill, I would have added love in there, too, because it's an L word. Um, Why do I want this or that? Who might that serve in God's kingdom? How does this action, word, or enterprise build the kingdom of God here and now? Who needs the gifts I can offer? How do I better fall into love and grace granted to me and authentically reflect that love and grace to others. Seek what is to be gained by honesty and vulnerability. Consider how to be of better service. Um, You know, one of those moments of of sitting very still and considering um, a step forward often means a dialogue, in my case, with someone I trust. And that's where community moves us from isolation into um, a comfort zone, a created, a human-created comfort zone between two people that allows us to move forward in trust. And and those are valuable. I don't know if you have you may have had this experience with someone. It could be at work. It could be at at home with your spouse. It could be with one of your kids. Um, sometimes it's just with the dog. But it's something about moving forward with someone else makes it easier. And I think that's one of the gifts that God has given us is that we have each other to come alongside, to be scaffolding, to use a, a term that's kind of a, um, a a building reference, but this notion that we could we could stand next to something to provide support if needed. I don't want to call it a crutch because I don't think it's that. Um, I think it's more of a steadying, and, and, and we can be a steadying for each other. And there are moments when we stand up too fast and we we might move too quickly forward in our, our zeal, and we need somebody to help us kind of restabilize as we got up too quickly and we were dizzy in our action. Um, I think that metaphor works frequently um, as as we try to be better partners with each other in our faith walks. Um, So I really liked that. That leads me to question number three. We talked about... Can I I add something here? Oh, yes. Of course, it is. is, I'm looking at these passages, and 
they they both end up in a, with a with a good a good command, but it's not a good command to do what we're doing. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. Period. That's where He stops in, in Corinthians. And then if if they if they ask for more uh, specification, it's also set out in verse five. Chapter 5, verse 37 of the Matthew passage. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. I think if we just took those two verses and said, what do we, 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 we end up, we end up more careful. I guess that's the best way to say it. I love that. Thank you so much. I think you're spot on. Um. We've talked about the hard work of internal preparation, introspection, and now um, I want to think about the external or come alongside behaviors and actions that these passages offer that help us build stronger, healthier relationships with each other and and working to God's purposes. So what do you see these, what behaviors and actions do you see these passages offering to us? that would strengthen community and, and our, our, our congregational relationships. What do you think, um, Don? I'm going to give it back to you. The first is I, someone, I, anybody, can't come alongside in the abstract. It requires relationships. It, I guess love, adding to the L list that Bill's put out there that you, you, you suggested. It, it takes love. It takes sight, this field of vision. I, I would use the example of social media rooms as what it doesn't work. You know, I back when back when it was safe to go swimming in social media, you know, I, I remember people entering a room, we call them rooms, right? My space, ah, old word. Um, and you know, just wreaking havoc. People I know coming into a space and attacking my friends. Uh, people trying to give advice to each other. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because kids see each other. It's not a real relationship. And so I, I want to start with what it's not. <laughs> it's not a social media space. Uh, we, it, it, it creates damage uh, because we don't know each other. We can just flail and swing and express ourselves and shout from the mountaintop of social media, but it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. There's no, there's no love. There's no love in it. Uh, and so how does that approach, how does that work? I think Paul is acting out the approach of walking alongside. It's harsh, but he is acting it out. And, but it's not necessarily just what he said. He said he knows them. And I think that's missed sometimes. I miss it. You jump right to the, here's what I've got to tell you. And the reason he's doing it because he knows them. And he loves them. He knows them. You know, you don't. Paul, I don't believe Paul's letter. I've got it here in a little volume. There, I don't think that's meant to be thrown in people's faces, walking down the street. I don't think I'm supposed to throw it at strangers. I, th- I think now I want to go. By the way, when you love each other, you could be really candid with them and walk alongside. If you don't know them, if you're in a if you're in a social media room and you want to flail away, that ain't love. This is different. He knows them. There's a knowledge. It's based on the knowledge. Community, and I think that's a big take. That's a big takeaway for me this week, uh, and it's a reminder of the work of friends 
And I'm going to go back to the answer to the first question, the second question you had, Sarah, which is, it can be as simple as, what are you doing? Are you okay? I mean, this is simple language. What's going on? What are you doing? I have an old friend. We don't talk much, but when we do, the first sentence is, it's like, we don't even say it's me. It's like, what are you doing? And it kind of startles us. Like, well, what am I doing right now? Sometimes we call this person at the office, and they go, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was liberating. That's walking alongside. And then finally, back to the first question, all that's associated with the loss, the, the metaphor of the loss of liberty of being in prison. Without the people walking alongside to, to say, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Who are you pinning your, your day upon? Uh, it's, a, it's a lost day, as if we've lost our liberty. It's a lost day for our mind. It's a lost day for our imagination. It's a lost day for friendship and love. If I, if I, my answer to what am I doing is complete distraction or all the, thing, all the things that Jesus and Paul have listed out, it's as though I've been locked up for a day and I can't get it back. Those are my thoughts, Sarah. I agree. Um, I think you're, uh, I'm going to offer up uh, my observation is everything is easier with help. It gives other people the opportunity, and, and it's important that we give other people the opportunity to help us. You know, I, I don't know about you, but in, in my uh, DNA, there seems to be this I do it myself gene, and I forget how valuable it is when I learn from other people. And we can stand encircled by relationship with everyone around us. We can encourage, we can share what's meaningful to us about the impact of fellowship. We can talk about our learning about the art and practice of Christ following, which I think is, is, is something in as much as a, a craft. Um, and the challenge of working that faith into action, it's one thing to, to read and to study and to follow. It's another thing to put it into um, practical, demonstrative action. Every private and public interaction um, all reflect what our priorities are and what we, are, what we give our, our heart to in our pursuit of our walk with Christ. Um, what do you think, Charles? I don't have any good response for it now. Even a bad response that would be funny, I don't have. Bill, what do you think? First, a couple of observations about your question. Uh, I like it that this is the last question, that we're ending with this. And I like your phrase, external come alongside behaviors. For me, a synonym of external is observable. Everything we say and do is a witness to or against the gospel. And none of us do it perfectly. And I experienced, in, in, in one sense, in a simple but helpful way, to come alongside. After my list of L's, Sarah, you added love. And those who are only hearing the audio didn't see that my immediate reaction was a vigorous thumbs up to Sarah. It was like, oh, 
why did I leave that out? <laughs> uh, another one of my mantras is that much of what we do is remind each other of what we already know. I knew that love was in the list, Sarah, <laughs> but you reminded me. That was a come-alongside behavior. I, I, I appreciate that we're ending on a note of how we, in fact, behave with each other and a reminder that that is a witness. For me, the come-alongside behaviors are to see others as valued and needed. I see that in the Corinthians and the Matthew passage. In, in When Jesus is talking about his list of behaviors, it's about valuing the other. Here's another one of my both ends. Secondly, see yourself as valued and needed. As a pastor, and, and with myself, to be honest, there have been times of devaluing of oneself. For example, someone would come to me and say, Reverend Hall, your pastoral prayers are powerful. I could never pray like that. I'm, I'm in, in, inadequate. And I would, <clears throat> as you would expect, I hope, say, there's no one way to pray. <laughs> Sometimes just sitting in silence is prayer. I value more and more what I prefer to call listening prayer, uh, where I don't fill every moment with words or thoughts, but seek to be open to listen. And I, in First Corinthians, Paul says that we are to be servants to each other. Servant leadership is not only popular in the faith community, there's some emphasis on that in the business community, which Don could speak to better than I, but that sense of, of being a servant. And to repeat what I said earlier, Paul says, God gives the increase. Therefore, there is no place for egoism, personality cult, power grabbing, and demeaning conversation. Don, you were talking about social media. Jesus, talk about harsh words. Look at what he says if you call somebody a fool. There's a kind of an escalation in that list, right? And I don't know what would happen to social media. People, they may not literally call each other fools, but what's most of the conversation? You're, you're an idiot. You, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm better than you. Um, I don't know what would happen to political discourse today if all our politicians took that to heart and instead saw even their opponents as children of God and people who have a perspective that needs to be listened to. And Jesus and Paul lift up both personal and communal ethics, truth, fidelity, reconciliation, confession, and forgiveness, uh, kind speech. Um, again, Sarah, thank you for ending on a note of the come along beside behavior and actions. It's hard. And that's all we got yes, today. It, yes, it is. 
Well, a lot of folks who listen in are preparing to moderate classes, facilitate discussions, things like that. So just as a reminder, since we all love the questions, is the focus that Sarah provided us was on human interaction and Christ following, the introspective hard work that these passages suggest, and the come alongside behavior and the actions that help us in terms of building stronger communities. Those those are the general focus of the day. And since they work with us, they might work with you too. Palmasia Presbyterian Church makes this podcast possible. And for more information, you can go to palmasia.org. That's P-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A.org. We commend that site to you because it has great sermons, Sunday schools, discussions, reflections, prayers, outstanding music, the opportunity to participate in communion. So check that out. It's at 3501 West San Jose, which is in Tampa, Florida. And you're always welcome. We'll see you next time.